We're going to be in our Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. 1 Kings, chapter 19, main part of our message, we'll begin there in verse 8 and following. Now, 1 Kings, chapter 19, I entitled this message, Where Do I Look? Where Do I Look? 1 Kings, chapter 19, and I will begin there in verse 8. Here in just a couple of moments. Where do I look? You know, there's so many places for us to look today. So many things to look at. And if we're not careful, what will happen is, is uh, where we look, if it grabs a hold of our focus and it grabs a hold of our attention, it can be the direction that we go. How many have ever been driving down the road and something along the side of the road caught your eye? And you started looking at it and you forgot it and you wasn't really thinking about driving down the road too much more. And you got to focusing on what was on the right or what was on the left. And the more you looked at it, that's the direction you started going. And you didn't really realize that you was really running off the road until you maybe saw some dirt flying around or until you started to lose control of your car a little bit or, you know, got scared half to death. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens, you know, if we're... Oftentimes we just kind of go throughout life and we're driving down the road and just kind of going through the course of life and we just kind of begin to look around. We get comfortable, we just get relaxed, we see something that catches our eye and then the next thing you know we're so focused on it that we're not really looking where we're going any longer and we start to run off the road. So where we look is extremely important. So I want us to look at that here today. In 1 Kings chapter 19, where the main part of our text is going to begin there in verse 8. Uh, prior to verse 8, in the first seven verses, we see that the prophet Elijah, uh, he has uh, just, he has, the Lord's given him a, a tremendous victory in the last chapter, in, in chapter 18. And as this victory has come about, uh, we see that, of course, that through this victory, he's made some some earthly enemies, and, uh, and of course he as well had some spiritual ones, but uh, anytime you live for the cause of Christ, you're probably going to have some of those. Uh, I heard a man once say, how is, it that, uh, how is it that the world can't get along with the, uh, with the holiest man that ever lived, talking about the Lord Jesus, but it can get along just fine with you and me? Uh, and I tell you what, you know, that's, that's true. Uh, and so anytime that we live for God, anytime you're serving the Lord, there's going to be some opposition to some degree. It's just what's going to happen uh, because uh, God is, the, the world is at enmity with God. And as long as we live for the world and act like the world, talk like the world and, uh, and, and we're in, of the world, uh, then it's going to be at enmity with God. And so those, those things will arise. And that's kind of where Elijah was at. You know, he was living for God, doing some great things for the Lord. God gave him some victories. But along with that came some challenges that he was going to have to face, some things he was going to have to deal with. And lo and behold, the very first part of chapter 19, we see that there was a woman in verse 2 by the name of Jezebel who was very upset that Elijah uh, had just slain 450 of the prophets uh, of, uh, of Baal that, uh, that were there in the temple that worshipped these false gods. And so she was upset about that. And so she sent a messenger to him and said, just want you to know uh, that about this time tomorrow, you will be as one of them. In other words, she's saying, uh, about this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead just like they're dead. Uh, and so, of course, he received that information. He got afraid. He left. He was so scared that uh, the Bible says that he left. He took off there in verse 3. The Bible says that he went for his life, and he went there in verse 4, a day's journey into the wilderness. The Bible says he sat down. 
and he was done. He said, it is enough. How many have ever got to that place in your life where you said, you know what, I'm just done. I'm finished. I've just had, I've had about all I can take. You ever been there before? I've just had about all I can take. And that's where he was at. He was at this moment in his life where he said, you know what, I feel like I'm just done. And so as the Bible says, he went to sleep. He lay there in verse 5. And uh, of course, the Lord began to minister to him through an angel. And we get down to verse 8. Now, the Bible says that uh, he arose and he did eat and drink. And so as this angel, as he's laying there by uh, uh, there under the juniper tree, as he's laying there and this, minister, uh, this angel comes and ministers to him, gives him uh, food and gives him, uh, gives him the water that he needs, the Bible says that he arose and he did eat and drink and he went in the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, isn't that amazing? Now, here we are, we see, we see Elijah... He is uh, going through some very challenging times in his life. Now, I know we wonder, we think to ourselves, how in the world can he stand so strong uh, uh, on the top of Mount Carmel and face all that he faced and seem to stand there with such confidence and seem to stand there with uh, with such boldness in the face of evil and uh, in, in the face of a uh, of a government that was really uh, run by run by King Ahab and of course Jezebel that was uh, that was just terrible. How in the world could he stand there and face all that? Uh, I mean, he did a tremendous job for the Lord, and God showed up in a in a mighty way, and God worked through him. But now here we see him that it seems like this, this right here is happening. Now he's running for his life, and we think, what happened to his faith? I mean, what, uh, what, what was it that, uh, that, that got a hold of him to such a degree that he, just, that he just took off? But he did. And so here he was. He's running. God knows that he's running. And so here we get to that verse, and we see that he began to eat and began to drink what the Lord had provided for him. And how long did that last him? The Bible says it lasted 40 days. Isn't that something? I tell you what, you can save a lot on a grocery bill if you ate one meal and it lasted 40 days. I tell you what, uh, you can save a whole lot. And so there he was. He, he ate what it is that God had provided for him. And what did that do? That gave him the strength that he needed. Listen, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Anytime we're going through some things in life, we're facing challenges, we're going through some hardships, there is nothing that, that can provide for you, there is nothing that can sustain you like what God can give you. I mean, the world can come up with all that it wants to. It can do everything it can to provide. It can do everything it can to, uh, to give you everything that it has. But there is nothing that can, can, that can sustain the believer in Christ like, well, like what God can give his people. The world can try its best. It can do everything it can to offer up whatever it desires, to offer up the best that it has, and it can do nothing but be temporary at best. But God, what he provides for his people, it can sustain them, it can empower them and strengthen them and give them exactly what they need to succeed, no matter what's going on in their life no matter what's taking place. And so we see there, there in verse 8, the Bible says that he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. And where was he going? The Bible says, unto Horeb, the mountain of God, which is really the same thing as Mount Sinai, where, where Moses and, and, and the people of God were many years ago. 
And so he was afraid, he was scared, he was on the run. And there's a lot, listen, there's a lot of people today that are in that very same situation. I mean, we in the days in which we're living, there's a lot of fear that has gripped a lot of people and uh, about many different things. I mean, all across the board, we see that there are lots of things that have really filled people with fear today. Whether it's, uh, you know, a lot of the social things that we see going on uh, out in the world, whether it's the, uh, you know, the the COVID that, that everybody's that we're in right now or whatever other things it could be, whether it's financial situations or different things like that, health issues that people are having and all these different things that, that are filling people with fear today. And so what is it that God's people can do? Listen, when we focus, uh, when we focus on, uh, when we focus on who God is and, and when we focus on what God can provide and when and we can see that what he gives us can help us in any situation and provide for us exactly what we need. Because listen, when we're going through life, we get weary, we get downtrodden, we, we, get, uh, we get tired and, and we begin to wonder how much longer can I go? You know, I'm just done, I, I'm finished, I don't want to do anymore, I don't want to go anymore. And so here we see that he is running to Mount Horeb, he is on his way to Sinai, which is the mountain of God. Hey, at least he was going to the right place. I mean, you know, he could have went out there in the world somewhere, he could have went somewhere else. But where was he running? Uh, as he was running from, uh, for his life, he was running to the mountain of God. Uh, and, of course, uh, in the Bible, mountains generally speak of government strength, government power. He was running to the, God's authority, kind of so to speak. He was running to God's authority. He was running to the mountain of God. But while he was running, see, none of this time do we see that God was, able, that God was speaking to him. God didn't begin to really speak until right here, there in verse 9. And the Bible says in verse 9 that he came thither unto a cave and he lodged there. And it was whenever he got to this cave and he lodged there, in other words, he got to this place where he said, you know what, I'm going to stop. And he began to just kind of calm down. You know, sometimes we get so frantic and we get so excited about different things in life and we're running to and fro uh, because of all the different things, the different things that's going on in your life. And, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes. I think God's wanting to talk to us and he's wanting to speak to us and he's wanting to spend time with us. But we're so busy and so frantic running around uh, in our fear and everything else that we don't give God time to speak. We don't give him time to talk to us, you know. And, uh, and so here he is. We see he stops there in this cave. He gets to Mount Sinai, Mount Horb. He gets there. He lodges there in this cave. And while he was there, the Bible says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he began, and God came to him whenever he stopped. When he stopped running, and he just found this quiet place inside this cave. And God came to him and he says, What are you doing? What, what are you doing here? Because, you see, God didn't call him to go there to this cave. He was in the ministry of God. He was serving God. He was working for God, laboring for God, fighting for God. He was doing all these things for the Lord and he got afraid, he got scared and he took off running because of the challenge that he faced and he found himself alone up here in this cave. Found himself up there you know, all by himself as far as human speaking, up there all alone, all by himself and it was up there when he stopped, when he stopped running. God came to him. The Bible says that the word of the Lord came to him. He said, what are you doing here? And I wonder this morning how many people, how many of God's people are sitting in a cave somewhere this morning? 
How many of God's people, spiritually speaking, are sitting in a cave this morning because fear has placed them there or uh, from, from whatever that it could be or whatever challenge that they may be facing? And they're just at this point where they're saying, I'm finished, I'm done, it's enough, you know, and, and, and they're running and they're running and they're running. And, 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 and this whole time that they're running, they're saying, God, I want you to talk to me. God, I need you to speak to me. God, I need you to, to show me what I need to do. Where do I need to go? And they're looking maybe perhaps for all these things, but yet they're not giving God enough time to speak because how does God speak to us today he speaks to us through his word does he not yeah and oftentimes we do a whole lot of talking we do a whole lot we, we send up our prayers to the Lord listen ain't nothing wrong with that we send all of our prayers up to the Lord listen we need to pray we, pro- we need to pray more often than what we do we need to send as many prayers up to heaven as we can however a conversation consists of two people and if all we're doing is praying then all we're doing is we're doing all the talking if we're not reading the scripture we're not letting God talk to us does that make sense? If we're not reading the Bible, we're not letting God talk to us. I mean, we're, we're, we're the ones doing all the talking, and the conversation consists of two people. And so Elijah, he got up there, and when he stopped, he got in this cave, and whenever he stopped, the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to him. And you know, I find it interesting, too, that no matter where he went, no matter what cave he went to, no matter what mountain he would have run to, God would have known he was going to be there because you can't escape the presence of God. Even if he didn't run to Mount Horeb and he would have ran to some other mountain somewhere else, God would have known he was there because you can't escape the presence of God. But at least he did run to Mount Sinai. At least he did run to the right place in, in, in the midst of his fear. But listen, we got a lot of people today that, uh, that are afraid of all different kinds of things and they're not running to God. They're running away from God. Running away from God. They're getting further and further away from God. Listen, in the midst of the things and the challenges that we face in life, we need to be coming to the Lord. Asking, you know, uh, Lord, uh, asking for God's help and asking for God's strength and asking for God's direction. But yet we find a lot of people today, instead of coming to God, they're running away from God. And they're getting further away from the Lord. But he got to this place when he finally stopped. That the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to him. And when the word of the Lord came to him, he asked him, he says, what are you doing here? And so I think that's something we have to ask ourselves to this morning. Why am I where I'm at? What am I doing here? I mean, what is my purpose? I mean, what is it? What is the whole purpose to my life? Why am I here where I'm at? Why do I do what I do? Why do I serve God? Why am I in church? What's the, what, what, what is the importance of it? Am I, in, am I in God's will today? Am I doing what God wants me to do? You know? And so, and so the Lord comes to him and he says, what are you doing here? Why would God ask him that? Because, listen, he's not where he really needs to be. And God says, what are you doing here? I mean, God didn't call him to go there. And listen, God has a great ministry for him, just like he's got a great ministry for you. But here at this moment, we see that his fear calls him to kind of veer off the path and get out of the will of God. And so God's looking down and he's saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? I didn't call you to come up here. Listen, they things just got to be done. I don't need you to come up here and stay in this cave. And I get it sometimes, well, listen, throughout life we all have our cave moments where we just kind of get in there and sometimes we have our own little pity parties. Listen, we've all been there and done that. Uh, but uh, we need to make sure that when we get up there that we don't stay there very long because while we're up there, God's going to be knocking on the door of our heart. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And so I wonder how many hearts all across America today, people, God's people sitting in church, that God's knocking on the door of their heart and he's saying, what are you doing what are you doing here? Listen, I mean, there is so much to do. There is so much going on. There is so much to pray about. There is so many things that God's people need to be involved in. What are we doing? What are we doing? As the Lord says, 
uh, for us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be provided unto you. That we need to lay up treasures in heaven where, enough, uh, uh, where uh, thieves don't break in and steal and where moth doesn't, uh, moth doesn't corrupt. He says we need to be focused more on what is it God needs us and wants us to do than anything else in our life. Wow, because everything here is just temporary. Was it the, maybe perhaps you've seen it on social media where uh, one of the uh, ladies that was, I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, she was, I think she won the world record in the hurdles, maybe it was. But anyway, she got a world record in some kind of race, and as she was running, they got to the very end. She won the world record in it. And at the very end, they came up to her for an interview and wanted to know what she had to say. And she says, you know what? World records, they come and go. But the glory of God lasts forever. I don't run for myself. I run for him. Hey, I tell you what, that's enough to make a cold Baptist shout. I'm just so thankful that there's somebody out there that says, you know what, I'm just so thankful that there was somebody out there that, that understands and realizes that, listen, we strive to be the best that we can. We want to be the best that we can. And there's nothing wrong with that. But understanding also at the very same time that it's not about us. It's about glorifying him. Who knows? How do we know? God may have just quickened her steps so that she could win to glorify him. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. You say, you believe that? Yes, I do. I believe it with all my heart because I tell you what, uh, you, you look over in the latter part of verse, uh, the latter part of chapter 18, and the Bible says God brought a, a rainstorm that was so bad uh, there on top of that mountain where Elijah was um, that, he, uh, uh, that he ran faster than the horses to get down to the bottom of the mountain. I tell you what, that's quick. That's fast. Listen, I believe God can do all things and if he, can, uh, if he can quicken Elijah's feet so fast that he can run faster than a chariot of horses to get down on the mountain because the rain's because of monsoons on the way. If God can do that, he can do anything. If God can, cause, if, if God can tell Samson, to, uh, and Samson reaches down and he grabs the jawbone of a donkey and slays a thousand Philistines with it, listen, God can do anything. And God could, uh, if God could be there with uh, David as he goes up against Goliath and can give him the strength to go out there and face such a, uh, such a man as he and, and David could reach down and grab a stone and sling it so fast and God direct that stone to go straight into the forehead of his enemy. Listen, God can do anything. I think the Bible tells us that the Lord, his, his eyes seek to and fro upon the earth. He's looking for someone who will stand in the gap, looking for someone who will be the voice of truth in the world today, the one that will cry out in the wilderness and it could be you. Could be. But first, we're going to have to get out of the cave. First, we have to get out of the cave. I mean, how can God use us the way he wants to use? How he can use us if we spend our life sitting in a cave. If we spend our life in fear. If we spend our life not willing to face the challenges that come upon us. How are we supposed to win? How are we supposed to be victorious? How can God use us the way he wants to if all we do is just sit in the cave for our life? It's not going to happen. He can't, he can't do it. And so the Bible shows us there, there, there in verse 9, uh, the Bible says that he lodged there, and while he was there, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And God knew where he was. God cared about where he was. He couldn't run away from God. He was running towards God. He was just running away from God's will. He ran to the mountain of God and God was there and his presence was there and he began to speak. And there in verse 10, the Bible says, And he said 
I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, and they've thrown down thy altars and slain thy prophets with a sword, and, and now even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Let me show you the problem about where he was looking. There in verse 10, we see what was he focusing on the most. Well, what we need to see is there in verse 10, he mentioned himself three times. There in verse 10, he said, and he said, I have been very jealous. There in the latter part of verse 10, he said, he says, I, even I only. Listen, if we, listen, when we get discouraged in life and we face challenges, when the, we don't need to be focusing just on just looking at our own selves. Listen, do you know that you can discourage your own self? Do you know that? you know that you can discourage your own self if all, if all you do is just pay attention to you, you can discourage your own self. You say, how is that? Because listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you a voice of truth that you're going to agree with me tonight, this morning about. How many of you have told yourself, I just can't do it. I'm not strong enough. Listen, I understand we, we, we admit our weakness. Listen, I get that. And there's, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But, but listen, we can, we, we can destroy ourselves. The devil just sit up here and just watch us do it and clap his hands and say, listen, you're doing a good job destroying yourself. You're doing a good job destroying yourself. And we'll say to ourselves, listen, I'm just, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. You know, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I can't do that. Like I said, we understand that without God, we can't do nothing. Listen, I get it. But I'm just saying that we will destroy ourselves. Sometimes we don't, the devil don't have to do anything. Just sit there and watch us. And just watch us destroy ourselves. The problem is, is he focused on him, just on himself too much. Focus perhaps maybe is on his own. Uh, it, listen, right here he says, listen, he says, I've been very jealous of the Lord. He says, I've been very jealous. He said, listen, I've done all I could, God, to live for you. I've done all I could, Lord, to, to serve you and to honor you, and I'm doing everything I can to fight for you. I'm, I'm doing all these things. But he was still focusing on himself, still just focusing on himself. He says, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done that. But he was just focusing just on himself. But then notice what happened. What else did he look at? They, he left off from himself, and then he said, for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life. So now what was he focusing on? Not only focusing just on himself, but he was focusing on they. It wasn't just I he was focusing on, but it was they that he was focusing on. Listen, if you just focus on yourself, you can discourage yourself. And if you just focus on all them out there, it'll discourage you too. Listen, if all you do is focus on all that that's going out here in the world, it, it'll wear you down. How many times you turned on the news or been watching through Facebook or whatever it is, you're just kind of going through there and you see all these different things that come up and it just breaks your heart, hurts your soul, and you just, man, you get off up, do you feel any better? I mean, you get done watching the news and most of the time you don't feel, you don't feel glad that you saw what you saw. I'm not saying we ought to be ignorant of what's going on around us, but I am just telling you that if all we do is focus on all these things that's on the outside, then we're going to feel discouraged. If all we do is focus on his opinion and their opinion and their opinion and his opinion and her opinion and, and all these different things, you know what it's going to do? It's going to destroy you on the inside. Who do we need to be pleasing? Do we need to be pleasing ourselves? Because listen, if all we do is focus on, on us and we say, well, I've done this and I've done this and I've done that, then we're celebrating in our own personal victories. 
And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but listen, if that's all we're doing, if that's where we're looking for strength, then you're not going to find it. It's going to be superficial. It's only going to last for a certain amount of time. As the, young, as the Olympian said, records come and go. Listen, that kind of stuff is just temporary. But when we focus on God, things change. Listen, we don't look to ourselves. We don't look to, we don't look to the world. And notice what else he did. He said there in verse 10, he says, The children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down thy altars. They've seen thy prophets. He says, listen, God. He says, they don't care about your ways. They don't care about your worship. They don't care about your word. They can care less about your, your covenant that you've made with them. They can care less about your worship. They tear down your altars. They want nothing to do with you. They kill all the prophets that come to preach your word. They they want absolutely nothing to do with any of it. And I tell you what, if we stay focused on what everybody else does, well, you just stay focused on what everybody else does, that'll discourage your heart too. Because you'll get to this place where you say, I, 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 and me, 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 me. And listen, I'm not saying sometimes that may not be the truth. But I'm just saying if we find ourselves sitting in that little, we find ourselves sitting in that pothole, we don't need to stay there very long. Because if we just stay focused on that, then we're not going to get where we need to be. We're going to end up staying in that cave. We're going to end up being there, and we're not going to get out and be what God needs us to be. And so where is it that I look? Well, I don't, I'm not going to look into myself for the inner strength that I need. I'm not going to look out into the world for the inner strength that I need because it's not going to, it's not going to give me what I need. And so notice there in verse 11, the Bible says, And he said, Go, talking about the Lord, he said, go, and go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. So after he got done telling the Lord all these different things, what did God say do? God said, go. He didn't tell him to sit in a cave. He said, I want you to go. Because I tell you what, you find yourself in a place of discouragement. You keep looking in the wrong place and, uh, for strength and comfort and peace and all these different things. What you're going to do is you're going to find yourself staying in that cave. And God didn't want him to stay in that cave. He didn't want to stay. He didn't want him to stay there and continue in this pity party that he had. He says, I want you to go. I want you to move. Because the longer you stay where you are, the longer you stay in that condition, the longer you stay in this place, it may just become your permanent lodging place. I mean, how many people, how many people this morning how many people this morning are, are sitting in spiritual caves for whatever reason all across the world that God can use in such tremendous ways but because of different challenges or because of different fears or because of whatever, they find themselves sitting in this cave. And what did God say? God said, I don't want you sitting here. He said, I want you to go. And there in verse 11, he says, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Uh, I was reading... Uh, one time before where some folks feel that maybe this is where, this, that maybe uh, this is where on the mountain of God where maybe Moses stood when God came by and put his hand over Moses' eyes so he couldn't see him. But Moses said, God, I want to see him. And God said, no man can look upon me or he'll die. And he says, I tell you what, I'll put you in the cliff to the rock. I'll put my hand over your eyes and I, when I go by, I'll let you see my back. And some people have wondered maybe if where he told him to stand, maybe if this was where Moses once stood. Interesting. But the Bible says there in verse 11, he says, Go forth, stand upon the mountain before the Lord, and, before, uh, and behold the Lord pass by. I think verse 11 just goes to show you that if we keep sitting where we're sitting, we keep staying in this dark cave, and we uh, get ourselves out of God's will and no longer want to 
uh, move forward, then what happens is, is we don't see the Lord pass by. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss God passing by. But the Bible says that he told, God told him, he says, I want you to go out to the end of this cave and I want you to stand there. And the Bible says that it shows us that whenever he went out there uh, that the Lord passed by. The Bible says, uh, he says, and behold, the Lord passed by. He says, I want you to go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by. And notice what happened. The Bible says the Lord passed by and a great strong wind rent the mountains. And break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Can you imagine what that was like? As he was there in that cave. He hasn't come out yet. God told him to go. He hasn't come out yet. He says, I want you to go out and I want you to stand at the mouth of this cave. And, and what happens is, is did he move? The Bible don't say he moved. The Bible says God told him to. But it don't say he ever went out there. The Bible says God told him to go out there. And when he went out there, the Bible says that the Lord came by. And he missed it. He heard it, but he missed it. The Bible says, Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and the wind... And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And so all these tremendous things that God did right outside the cave, and he missed it. He missed it. And God told him to come out there because God wanted to see something. But the Bible doesn't say he was actually standing where God told him to. It wasn't until something else happened. The Bible says in verse 12, and after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so that when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. Now God did all these tremendous things outside the cave. God did all these tremendous things on the outside of the cave, but where was, where was Elijah? He was still inside. He was still inside. He missed the demonstration of God's power. He wasn't where he needed to be. He got up there in that cave. God told him to go out there. He didn't go out there to the entering end of the cave until he heard this still small voice. And, and, so, and so there God was out there doing tremendous things, demonstrating his power, doing all this stuff. And God, in essence, showing Elijah, he says, listen, I understand that you face challenges. I understand that things don't always go your way and I understand that things that they don't always go the way that you want them to go. I understand that things get tough and things get hard. Listen, I get it. But I also need you to understand that I have a plan. I also need you to understand that I know what I'm doing. I also need you to understand that what I need you to do is just trust me and just go. You just do what I'm asking you to do and I will help you. I'll be there with you. Don't allow fear to drive you in a cave somewhere. Don't allow the devil, don't allow those people out there, don't allow anybody to drive you in a cave somewhere and, 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 and make you sit there and miss out on the power of God. A lot of people today, they're missing out on the power of God, they're missing out on seeing the glory of God and the things that God's doing because for whatever reason, for whatever reason, the devil's done got them up here in this little cave somewhere and they're biting their fingernails, trembling half to death. Missing out on it all. And the Bible says, 
there. The Bible says that he, uh, that he told him to go out there to entering of the cave and he went out there and there was this great strong wind that rent the mountains, the rocks broke in pieces. Imagine the sight that that probably was and the, the Bible says the Lord was not in the wind and then there was a great earthquake and then this great fire that came down from heaven and he missed the majesty and glory of it all. But then there was a still small voice and I wonder if God was trying to show Elijah that listen, you was just up on Mount Carmel and we did some tremendous things. Those folks sat up there all day. 450 prophets of Baal sat up there all day long praying that their God would consume this sacrifice and they prayed all day long and nothing happened. And they got so discouraged that the Bible says in the previous chapter that they began to cut themselves and they were bleeding all over the place because they was doing everything they could to get their God to respond. And their God never did because their God is not God. And Elijah stood there and he says, I tell you what, he says, pour water all over the sacrifice. They did. He says, no, pour a little more. And so they, they, sat, they, they soak everything, they saturate everything, and Elijah says one prayer. I think it's, I counted it one time, I don't exactly remember what it was now, but I think it may have been 20-some words, maybe 30 words. And he prayed a prayer, and just like that, God brought fire down from heaven. The Bible says, licked up the sacrifice, cleaned up all the water and everything. He left it. God, God brought fire down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, licked up all the water. There was nothing left but dry ground. Just like that. And God says, listen, we can do all these things in the sight of the people. Fire can come down from heaven in their sight and they still won't worship me. Isn't it amazing the things that we can see and still deny the existence of God? I mean, isn't it amazing the things that God can do in our everyday lives and people still deny the existence of God or deny that God's even, that God's even there? I mean, the Bible says, we look up in the sky and the Bible says the heavens declare its handiwork. I mean, we walk, we walk out there, we walk outside, we see the grass grow, we don't think nothing of it. It breaks my heart to see the grass grow. Because I, like, I don't like cutting grass. But we look outside and we see the grass grow. And you know what? God commanded the grass to grow. In the book of Psalms, we see that God commanded the ice to form and how he told the snow where to fall and all these things. It's all because of God. And all these things we see all around us and people deny the existence of God and the love of God and the power of God and all these different things. And, and God's saying, listen, I, I can call fire down from heaven, consume a sacrifice in front of all these people. I can do tremendous things and they still won't believe. I mean, his only begotten son was going to die on the cross and raise again the third day and people still didn't believe. The guy that was, the guy that was in hell in Luke chapter 16 began to cry out to Abraham and Lazarus and he called out to Abraham and said, send my brothers 
Send a message back to my brothers. At least they come to such a dreadful place. Tell them that this place of hell is real and, and tell them that they don't need to come here. They don't want nothing to do with this. And, and he says, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. And God's told them about this place. They have the preachers. They have the prophets. They have the word of God. If they don't listen, then you know that's on them. But God's not willing that any, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He says, I can do all kinds of things. I can do all kinds of things in the sight of the people and they still won't believe. He says, I, I, I can rend the rocks. I, I can tear the rocks in pieces by the wind. I can, I can bring fire down from heaven. I can cause great earthquakes. I can do all these things. But in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, what do they really need? They need that still small voice. What is it that brought Elijah out of the cave? That still small voice. That still small voice. The Bible says, there, verse 13, and, and it was so that when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face and his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entering end of the cave, and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, And what doest thou here, Elijah? The second time. And God says, What are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? What's going on? Why are you up here in this place? You know, the devil will do everything he can to get you alone. The devil will do everything he can to make you feel alone. You ever, you, ever, you ever heard this? You can feel alone. You can feel all alone in a crowd of people. He felt all alone. He says, I, even I, only am left. I'm the only one God that cares about you. I'm the only one Lord that has a desire to serve you. And as he began to focus on himself and maybe perhaps his own victories and his own personal defeats, as he began to focus on himself, he was discouraged. And as he began to focus on the world and what the, everything the world was doing, he was discouraged. When he began to focus on what they weren't doing, he was discouraged. Listen, why do we do what we do? Why do we serve God? Why do we come to church? Why do we, why do, we do any of this? Well, you know, what's the point in being here? Listen, we'll be pleasing to God. Listen, I'll tell you what, if we'll, do, if we'll decide in our heart the first person that we want to please is God, then it'll really take care of a lot of problems. Because listen, you can try to please yourself, but sometimes you can't even please yourself. You ever tried to please yourself? You can't please yourself. You do the best you can. Oh, I could have done better. That's no good. Listen, I'm, I think we always should strive to be the best we can. Always try to do better. But listen, we can tear ourselves apart. We can't satisfy our own selves. That's on anybody else. And let me tell you this. The Bible, he was so concerned about all of them, all of they. Ain't nothing I can do to please them. Listen. Don't worry about pleasing them. You just please God. You know, it's a whole lot easier to please one than it is a hundred. Amen? That's exactly right. The Bible says right here, he says, he says, what doest thou here, Elijah, there in verse 13? Elijah, what are you doing up here in this place? And he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken that covenant. They've thrown down that altar. They've slain thy prophets and now even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away also. And he was so focused on himself, so focused on them, so focused on the situation that he had lost all focus on God. All focus on him. And listen, we do the same thing. Peter did the same thing. Went out there walking on water. The only other man in history that ever walked on water aside from Jesus himself. 
stepped out of the boat, walked on water as long as he kept his focus on Jesus. As long as he was focusing where he needed to look. But as soon as he began to look around at everybody else, as soon as he began to look around the storm, as soon as he began to look around at all the challenges and all the problems and all these different things, what happened? The Bible says he started to sink. Same thing happens to us in our spiritual life. When we focus on everything else, man, I tell you what, it can discourage our hearts. They can bring us down. Who do we need to focus on? Where do we need to look this morning? We just need to be looking to him. Amen. I'm not saying we're ignorant of what's going on in life. I'm not saying we just bypass everything like it ain't happening. But I am saying that in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, let us never lose focus and have our vision on where God needs us to be and where God needs us to go. Because if all we do is focus on all of that, then we're missing, we're missing it. We're missing the power of God. The Bible says, there in verse 15, and the Lord said unto him, go. Look at that. He says, go return. There in verse 11, he says, go forth. He heard, notice this after, watch this now. Verse 10, when he began, when he had this pity party of his, what did God say? He said, go. In verse 15, after he recited what he recited there in verse 10, what did God say? Go. I've heard you. I heard what you said. I get it. What do I need you to do? Don't sit here in this cave. I need you to go. You know why? Because there's things that got to be done. There's things that need to be done. And how in the world are you going to sit up here in this cave? Let the world put you up here in this cave. Let them put you up here in this cave. Let fear put you up here in this cave. Let your challenges put you up here in this cave. Let those Goliaths put you up here in this cave and completely miss out on the power of God. And not witness God rent the mountains with the wind. And not see God call fire down from heaven. And not see God do all these wonderful things. Because you're too busy stuck up here in this cave. Missing out on rewards in heaven. Missing out on the power of God. And, and he said there in verse 15, he says, Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. What do we see there in verse 15 as we close? We see that God had things that needed to be done. I, can't, I don't need you up here in this cave, Elijah. That's something else I need you to do. When you get to verse 18, we'll stop there. Notice what the Bible says. He says, oh, by the way, I've left me 7,000 in Israel. You're not by yourself. And by the way, there's 7,000 other people. I know that you feel like you're alone. I know sometimes you, you feel like that you're the only one left, that you're the only one that wants to serve God. But Elijah, by the way, I just want you to know that there are other people out there that have not bowed their knee to Baal. There are other people out there that have not given themselves over to the world. There are other people out there that have a desire to see God and see God do tremendous things and witness his power and see his strength and See, all the majesty and glory of God, there are other people out there. You're not the only one. But I tell you what, the devil will get you backed up in a corner and say, you're it, you're finished, that you're, you're all there is. And we begin to feel so weak and so powerless because we feel like we're, we're on our own. But if God be for us, who can be against us? If I'm on the side of God, what can defeat me? 
If God is for me, what, what army can come up against me? Remember when Elisha was out there and his servant was with him. And, oh, I think it was Syria. They wanted to come down and they wanted to kill him. This whole army came out there to where Elisha was. They wanted, they wanted him dead. Sent everything they had. Elisha, here he was in town and his servant comes up to him and he says, Elisha, do you know what's on the outside out there? Do you know the army, the massive army that is out there? They're all ready to come in here and kill you. All of them, they're ready to march right in here and they're ready to take your life right this second. Elijah, standing there in front of the mirror getting ready for service. He says, yeah, they are. But why don't you go outside and take a look again? <laughs> why don't you go outside and take one more look? Tell me what you see. Yeah, there's thousands of them out there and they coming out here to completely destroy me. But I want you to go out there and I want you to take a look again and I want you to tell me what you see. And the guy walks out there and he looks and he says, wow. And the Bible says, up on the hillside was this spiritual army of God Angels sitting in their chariots, swords drawn and ready, out there on the mountaintops, surrounding the whole place, ready at the, ready at the voice of God to save Elijah. All God had to do was just speak. And God's army was ready. Elisha looks at it and he says, they that are with us are more than are with them. He wasn't worried about nothing. He wasn't going to let them put him in no cave somewhere. God's got it. God's got it. They that are with us are more than they that are with them. God's got it. I'm not going to dwell in a cave. I'm not going to let nobody put me in a cave. I'm not going to let a challenge put me in a cave. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? We're going to go forth. We're going to do exactly what God wants us to do. Because God can take care of it, no matter what it is. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for your blessings today. And God, you are far better to us than we deserve. Lord, I'm praying this morning that you would search all of our hearts. And God, you know the challenges that we face. You know where we're at in our life, what cave we may be in. You know what we need. You know what we're going through. You know what we're running from. You know what we need to hear. And so, Lord, I'm just praying this morning that you'd speak to all of our hearts. And God, you'd use the message today. To give us exactly what we need. As the piano plays, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And God sent His only begotten Son to die for you on the cross. And if you accept His offer and His payment of sin for you, for the sins of the world, then you can be forgiven today 
Have your name written down in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. And know without a shadow of a doubt that if you died today, that you'd go to glory. That you have a new home in heaven that is waiting on you. You can't get there by your own goodness. You can't get there by doing good deeds. You can't get there by getting baptized. You can't get there by just being a good person. Lord Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. He is the door. He is the narrow way that leads to life. And he stands here ready this morning to offer it to you. If you would be willing this morning to accept his gracious offer. He died on the cross and took our place. Took our sin upon himself. Because there is none righteous, no, not one. Every man sought his own ways. So the Lord Jesus, who had never sinned, became the perfect sacrifice for us, the Son of God himself. To die on that cross, to place all of our sins upon him, to provide a way for us to get to heaven. If you're willing to accept that this morning and ask him to forgive you and save you, you can go to heaven. If you're here today, you've never asked the Lord Jesus to save you before. Or if you're not sure if you're saved, nobody's looking but me and God. Would you just put your hand up so I can see you? Is there anybody like that here this morning? I've never prayed and asked the Lord to forgive me. I've never asked the Lord to save me. Anybody like that here today? If I can get everyone to the feet, every head bowed and every eye closed here for just a couple of moments. And give you an opportunity to come up front this morning and kneel and pray at the altar if you'd like, whatever it could be. Something you just want to come up here and talk to God about, I encourage you to come. Whatever it is, the altar's open. Would you come? Perhaps you want to pray for your family. Perhaps someone's going through some hardships. Perhaps you're praying, praying for lost loved ones, lost friends, co-workers. Perhaps you're going through some challenges yourself. Whatever it may be. We have a God in heaven that is listening this morning. Would you come this morning? We'll run one more verse. We serve a great God today that is able in every situation to help you this morning. All right, you can sit down for just a moment. All right. Well, this is one of the greatest times of our service right here today is being able to uh, celebrate with these two young men this morning.
that accepted Christ as a personal Savior through Vacation Bible School.